who killed Jesus and who died on the cross? I hope somebody could tell me. Maybe one day I'll find out with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. There's going to be CDs for sale in the foyer. The name of it is going to be Everything Flows Through the Heart. Don't forget to buy one, support your ministry, your worship ministry. Don't we appreciate them? Amen. Amen. Shake the hand of the person next to you. Tell them that Jesus loves you. And then have your seat, please. To that first verse, uh, Brother James, if you can add verse 2 also, but not right now. And then also we're going to add John 19, 25 later on. This has been a great week. We started off with Palm Sunday, and, and that was great with Pastor Adam and the anointing. And, man, Pastor John from Templo, he brought the significance of the fig tree. That was great. We had a great uh, uh, altar call that day. I was asked to teach on Good Friday. And there's just so many elements on Good Friday that uh, there's no way to teach it in one day. The more I studied about the events of Good Friday, the more I found out and realized there's no way to understand it all. There's no way, the more mystified I got. But since this is Victor Outreach, since this is Heart of the Bay, since we have a legacy, let's give this teaching a title. Revelation or revolution? Okay? You see, if our eyes don't get open, then there's going to be a battle. We're going to have a hard time. Amen? So if I had a shirt, I'd probably want Malcolm X on it, Paul Torres, David Wilkerson, Sonny Argonzoni, probably uh, uh, Cesar Chavez, and it probably would say revelation or revolution. But of course, on the back would be the greatest, Jesus Christ. You see, on this day, if we can put uh, Luke verse two, 22, verse 2 and 3 up there, we're going to see, I'm going to try my best to paint a picture of what happened that day. And we don't know what, what day it was according to the Gregorian calendar is about April 6, 33 AD. And here you see that, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. Amen? Father, we just come before you. I ask God that this would be your time to teach your people. Use me, my God, in this manner. I pray, Lord, that whatever you want to do with me, that you just have your way. I'm your servant, and these are your people. Amen. One thing is, is I also thank Pastor Steve for getting saved. Because... Uh, Pastor Esteban might have jumped into the Russian River and he probably should be dead today. But if Pastor Steve didn't get saved, there wouldn't be a Pastor Esteban. There wouldn't be a church in Hayward. There wouldn't be a whole lot. And what's going to happen won't be happening. So I thank you, Pastor Esteban. I don't know where Sister Chella is. I love you. And I don't know where my son is. So uh, who knows? We might be growing in a minute. You know, we all know about the prayer in Gethsemane. That's where this day starts off at. And it was a, a prayer of anguish. You see, we can never forget when we study about anything about Jesus Christ was that he was all and all God. You see, so we could identify with him. Whenever we read or listen or hear anything concerning Jesus Christ, never think that he could do what you can't do. Because he was all man just like you and I. It says that he suffered just like you and I. It says that he was tempted in every way that you and I was tempted. So at Gethsemane we know that he prayed and it was an anguish prayer. 
But nevertheless, when he got up, he was ready because of that prayer to finish the will that God had for him. Everything that Jesus did was to honor and fulfill the will his father had for him. Never for himself. At times he felt like he didn't want to continue. At times he felt like he, didn't, he couldn't continue. But yet he hid his face and he got up and finished the race. Can I get amen? amen? After that, we'll come up to the arrest of Jesus Christ. You know what? Maybe, um, Brother James, maybe you could put that thing up there. I thought we were going to be on the A Street. And I was uh, thinking I was going to teach in the, in the uh, screen would be right there. And then uh, somebody told me that I'm supposed to be preaching too. And so I asked the Lord and he said he sure gave me a gift to talk. So I'm going to try to use that gift. See, talking a lot and rap is two different things. I could never rap. You see, here we have a timeline, and, it, and there it has all the scriptures. And you see that when he was praying, you see the, the, the people that were there in that scene, that's called his inner circle. You had, you had John, and you had Peter, and you had James there. He had told the other eight to kick back over here, and then he took those three, and he told them to wait there, then he went over here and prayed. And those are the called the inner circle and we know that through this you're going to hear a lot of preaching that we all need an inner circle that we need to have people that we share with things that we won't share with everybody else but when times we're having a hard time we need somebody to share with amen Jesus was having a hard time so he wanted some folks around that he was close to to share this hard time with now you got the arrest and You'll see Judas. And if you look at Luke 22, verses 2 and 3 again, you'll see what happened to Judas. It says that Satan entered Judas. And it says that the Sanhedrin, or the leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees and the elders, that they plotted to kill Jesus. So you'll see that behind this physical scene, there's another element working that there's Satan at work. And the funny thing when I'm studying this is that I see that Satan is trying to help Jesus get to the cross. Satan is trying to get Jesus to the cross. Yet earlier when I read about when Jesus went out after he got baptized by John and he fasted and he was hungry, he was led into the desert by by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the tempter. There, the tempter, which we all know was Satan, was trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. Now we see him helping him go to the cross. You see? So even though behind this scene, you'll see the devil or Satan, but then behind him, you're going to see Jesus Christ. You know, see, above any situation, God is in control in your life. You might see that there's Satan involved in your situation, but you always got to know that God is even greater than that. Amen? So anyways, here we go. I shouldn't say anyways, I was told a lot. The rest, while Jesus was in the garden, he was praying. And then we see that they came to arrest him. And that there was a captain. And the word for captain actually in the Greek, uh, it represents that he was over a thousand men. So we know that there was probably 600 to a thousand men that came that day to arrest Jesus. Why so many men? Why so many people? And why at night? We know what time this is. When they came to arrest Jesus was about what? Two in the morning? They already ate dinner. They already had the last supper. Then he walks to Gethsemane. He starts praying. He prayed three times. He comes out after the last time he prays. And he tells him, couldn't you stay awake? But it's okay. And then he gets arrested. 
So now it's about two or three in the morning while he gets arrested. There's a thousand people there to arrest Jesus or 600. It's in the middle of the night. Why did they come at night? Well, earlier it said they were scared. The very people that wanted Jesus uh, uh, to be killed was afraid. Afraid of what? Okay. You see, these people were no more than a mob controlled by the mafia. The Sanhedrin, the great Sanhedrin at that time was no more than a common criminal element. Let me explain if I may. First off, the Jews lived on a land that was in Palestine. This land was ruled by a Roman empire. The Romans were ruled by an earthly god. What was his name? Caesar. Tiberius was the Caesar at this particular time. He ruled with an iron fist. He was sadistic, anti-Semitic, and he was a Gentile, as was Pilate. It had been passed down from Rome that Palestine would never carry a prisoner to capital punishment. You see, a lot of people are going to say that Romans had to kill Jesus because the Jewish didn't have authority to kill. Okay? Now, I'm only here to teach you something, if I may. Whose did they stone and throw the clothes at the feet of Saul? Who killed him? Who stoned Paul? Who was ready to kill the lady that was caught in adultery? They can kill. The Jewish people had the right to kill for certain things. But they didn't have the right to kill for treason and other things. And see, they needed to have Jesus killed for treason. And all the way through this process, they were breaking every law of the land. The Jews had a great law in place. As a matter of fact, our laws here or, or a, a process that we have in court here in America, if you search the roots of it, it came from there. Okay? When we go to court, I'm sure Pastor Darrell and, and other, other people here know, they go, I want my due process. I got my rights and I know them. Huh? I'm going to get a hold of my congressman on this one. Okay? Because we have rights to be treated fairly. We have rights to counsel. We have rights to, have, to be tried in front of our peers and these kind of things. And so did they. All these rules and laws were put into effect at that time. Deuteronomy 16, 18 to 20 reads. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town. The Lord your God has given you and they shall judge the people Fairly. How? Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the innocent. Follow justice and justice alone, so that you may live and possess the land of the Lord your God has given you. Amen? Uh, so here, let me give you a little... Uh, little more background on the Sanhedrin. You know, you had tribes or you had villages or groups of people. And if they had more than 120 heads of households, they were to vote and they were to appoint leaders, 23 of them, always an odd number. And that was called a Sanhedrin of that village. And then if the village was smaller, they were to get three or seven. And that was a council or Sanhedrin. Then inside Jerusalem, which was the greatest in the great Sanhedrin, there were 73, or they would put in 72, plus the high priest, which makes 73. And the sole purpose of this Sanhedrin or council was to protect your rights. To make sure that anything that was brought against you, that you weren't convicted or you weren't punished without this due process. And their sole purpose was to hear these accusations and then render a judgment. And every stage of this process was to make sure that anybody falsely accused could not get uh, 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 found guilty. 
They even had other people that sat around to make sure that every process of the law was handled correctly. Otherwise, the accused immediately had to be released. Amen? During the trials of Jesus Christ, you don't see any of this. How many trials did Jesus Christ go through? Six. Maybe seven. That's up to the jury. There was two different sides, three by the Jewish and then three by Rome. Amen? Now, I'm just saying this. I don't know how that's going to help you in your Christian walk. You know what I mean? You might find yourself getting tempted, and you'll say, oh, did I know how many trousers were? I don't think it's going to help you out of any kind of a hard place, but I was also asked to teach a little bit. Amen? Okay? The first trial you're going to see was in front of Annas. Okay? Now this is highly illegal. He's probably at Annas' house at three in the morning. And the thing is, he's at his residence. They weren't supposed to be tried in a house. Okay? There was a place for trials, and there was a time for trials, and there was people that are supposed to be at that trials. All those laws were broken. Amen? Another tidbit of information is, this is held at his house. How many people arrested Jesus? 600 to 1,000. How many people in the Sanhedrin, in the great Sanhedrin? 73. These folks are at his house. That's a big pad, man. That's a big pad. Huh? Anna's got some money. Where did Annas get all this money from? I already told you, he's a mobster. He's the shot caller of the mob. He's not even in position any longer during this time. His son-in-law Caiaphas was. But still, Annas is pulling the strings. Okay? It's like the Godfather. Remember when he retired, but he still was calling the shots? That's what happens here. No different. No different, amen? So after he goes to Annas, then he goes to Caiaphas with a body of men making up the Sanhedrin. And the thing is, at Caiaphas, with, with Annas, Annas is trying to ask him questions. If, if you read this, what happens is you're going to see pictures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You put them all together and you kind of can get a more complete picture. But when Annas is asking him questions, trying to trap Jesus, Jesus actually puts a mirror in front of Annas. So instead of him finding out what is wrong with Jesus, Jesus shows Annas what's wrong with him. Annas don't know what to say. It's like if you find yourself in front of the biggest gangster today or Back in the day, Al Capone, but let's say today. And you're being asked questions, and what you're doing is you're challenging that person to look at himself. Instead, you're showing him how wrong he is, and that's what Jesus did. Annas didn't know what to do, but one of his soldiers slaps Jesus. Okay? Jesus never suffered anything like this before. So then he goes and he sends him to Caiaphas. This is another violation of the law. They're not supposed to question you to try to find evidence against you. They were supposed to only hear evidence brought against you. And then that evidence supposed to be found or backed up with two more people co-signing what you said. Remember when that girl was being, they wanted to stone her and he wrote on the floor? And then they left. He who was without sin cast the first stone. And then they all left. There wasn't uh, nobody to accuse or two more people to back up the story. This process was made to protect. Yet here there's nobody accusing. They're trying to find evidence against him. So it goes to Caiaphas, the son-in-law of Annas, and he's trying to do the same thing. When he can't find nothing, they decide to take him now to the great Sanhedrin. Because before they take him to Rome, they have to come up with something. And all they got to accuse Jesus Christ of on this day is that he claimed to be the son of God. 
that he claimed to be the king of Jerusalem. Is he guilty? He said that, didn't he? But you're only guilty when you're lying. He was a son of God. He is a king. He's a king of all kings. So he was innocent. No greater thing, no worse thing has ever happened to an innocent man than what happened on this day. So now they go in front of Pilate. After the three Jewish trials, we know that the rooster crows. What time does the rooster crow? Not in Union City. Those guys, they, they're, they sleep late. <laughs> they sleep late. But over here in, in these areas and in these times, they had things like third hour, third watch, crow, the, the crow cut, whatever, the rooster crows. That's between three and six. And after it crows three times, you can safely say now it's about almost six o'clock. Okay? It's probably around three. It's starting to crow four o'clock. I believe Annas lived real close to Caiaphas. And then from there, the Sanhedrin was real close. They didn't have to travel too far. Now they're going to Rome and they're going to Pilate. We all know the scene in front of Pilate. What happens in front of Pilate? Okay. Well, we know this. The Sanhedrin, they don't enter to Pilate's. They don't enter. Why? Because it's a Passover. And it's against religious uh, 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 laws at that time, okay? That you would get defiled, and they didn't want to get defiled. These very crooks, these very criminals that break every rule and law uh, against God obey these rules of the land. Let me paint another picture about Annas and his criminal activities to you. Remember when Jesus went into the uh, synagogue and, and they were selling... Uh, and he turned the tables over and he whipped them. You guys remember that? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Pastor John was hitting on that the other night. And, um, and I thought he was going to give a, a, a more clear picture, but he was painting a whole different picture that was very beautiful. And the thing is, is whenever you came to the synagogue, you can't come empty-handed. You had to bring some denaro, or was it denarius? And you had to put it in this cup on the wall. And the thing is, is you couldn't put pagan money in there because what stamp is on the pagan money? That's idol. And you can't offer anything that had idol on it. So guess what? These guys had to change your money. It said he turned the tables of the money changers. So these guys are changing your money, Okay. Yeah, yeah, you guys right now, you're probably reflecting when you used to change stuff on the streets. Same thing. Same thing. They probably were hustling just like that. You could probably picture yourself as a Sanhedrin. One of Annas' mob. Probably had like mob Annas on the back. <laughs> Tattoo, right? That's right, I'm part of the Annas' mob. Or the sons of Annas or the bazaars of Annas. Amen? Because, you know, a bazaar is where all kinds of things are sold, and that's what it's known as the bazaars of Annas or the sons of Annas. He had all kinds of sons, and then his son-in-law, and they all took office. This power just kept on going uh, uh, for time and time. You'll see later on in Acts where, I believe it's Acts 4, where Peter's in front of him. So here he is. Here they are. They're, they're, they're changing money from your pagan money to money that's acceptable. But guess what? You're getting pennies on the dollar. Then you were supposed to also bring an animal to be sacrificed. And so if you were smart enough, naive enough to bring your own animal, they would have to inspect it. And they would find something wrong with it. This animal is not worthy to be sacrificed here. Therefore, you have to buy one of ours. And that's why you see the cages of the doves, the turtle doves and whatnot. You see, so they were exchanging money and they're selling animals. At a big profit. This is how they had these houses and courtyards big enough to house a thousand people. It's said to that they had indoor swimming pools. Okay? So who killed Jesus? These people, Annas, was right there when you see that they turned the tables over and he whooped and then he scolded the leaders of the synagogue and he told them that you're turning. 
my father's house into a, a money. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. He's cleansing house. And so you'll see that who was right there? Annas. Annas was, and so Annas says, I need to kill this dude, man. Okay? He's messing with my feria. He's messing with my dinero. And he tells his crew he's messing with your money. So you got to kill this guy. Okay? So now here we come. And so you see why the three trials. But you see all they can come up with is blasphemy. But blasphemy is not a charge that you could take to Rome. So they have to change it around and say that he's interrupting and disturbing the peace. See, they already know that Pilate's on a short leash. Pilate already has been blowing it. Pilate has a, a post like in the Russian front, so to speak. He's already had a lot of problems with, with people uh, rising up and causing this and that. He's already done a lot of killings that he wasn't supposed to be doing. So there's already a, a, he's like on a blacklist. If you blow it again, you're in big trouble, Pilate. So they know that any more disturbances, Pilate's in big trouble. So they go to Pilate and they're telling him that this guy claims to be the king and that he's causing disturbances. This is probably the only fair trial out of all of them. This has to be the closest thing to a fair trial. There's four steps in a Roman trial. First, to hear the accusation. Second, he has to interrogate the guy. So he calls Jesus in the temple, and he interrogates him. And he asks him questions. And then after all this, he comes out and he says, I don't find no blame on this man. I don't find no blame on this man, because he asked him. And Jesus told him that his kingdom ain't here. Jesus told him that my kingdom is in heaven. And that if I was here trying to do all this, what you're saying I did, I'd have all my, one and all my people be back to me right now. None of my people are even in the courtyard. Hmm? So Pilate, he's not too dumb, or is he? Pilate was a very insecure individual. And so he didn't know what to do. So he kicks him up. And so now they go up to Herod, right? And what happens there? What happens there? Nothing more than, than already, you see, John the Baptist was beheaded. By whom? And now here's Jesus in front of the same guy. By the same guy. But now, this guy don't want the head of Jesus. What he wants is a clown act. What he wants is a show put on. He's heard about Jesus. He's heard about the miracles. He's heard about the great signs and wonders that Jesus Christ has performed over the years. And what he wants Jesus to do is a trick for him. And when that doesn't happen, he sends him back down to Pilate. Now, Pilate, he's trying every which way to get Jesus out of this mess. But you see, the Jewish leaders are stirring up the people, and they start screaming for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, the Pilate figures, well, you know what? Let me offer him Barabbas. Who was Barabbas? He was there for murder. But let me tell you something. The crucifixion wasn't the normal way that they put people to death. That was a terrorism, an act of terrorism. It was imperialism, terrorism. In other words, uh, we know what terrorism, right? Remember the towers that dropped, that got tore down, the towers? People do that to pump fear in you, to not do nothing against them, and this and that. So the country of Rome had terror to stop people from coming against them, and that's what the cross was reserved for. That's where they put people that, that were like revolutionaries or people that would come against their ways. And so Barabbas, Barabbas, he was one of those. He had incited a riot, if you study about him, where deaths happened. So he was well known. The movies, they put this guy spitting out of his mouth like a, a serial killer or whatever. That wasn't him. I picture him as pretty sharp. 
He's able to incite riots. He's able to get people to go against the government. A government that pumped a lot of fear. Not too many people were willing to stand up against what was wrong. Not too many people were willing to stand up for what was right. That's hard enough already. But to know that you're going to suffer a death on the cross. And not only a death on the cross, but beatings. And beatings way before the cross. Also humiliation before you got to the cross. The cross itself was enough to scare anybody. Yet the beatings and the humiliation. Then after you're there and you're dead, you're left for the animals to eat your body. You see, today, there's not too many evidence of crucifixion. They found one in 1965. 1965, they found some remnants of ankles where the nail was put in. How come there isn't many more bodies to be found by archaeologists or discoveries in history? Because the animals have ate them. Okay? So nobody wanted to be killed like this and whooped like this and humiliated like that and then left for animals to eat them up to where there's not even nothing for your family to bury or mourn over uh, uh, physically. But Barabbas was able to recruit people and incite these kind of movements. To me, he wasn't that guy you see in the movies. He was a sharp guy. He was able to rally people to stand up and fight for what is right, no matter the price. Amen? But the people being stirred by the Jewish leadership cried for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So he beats Jesus and he sends Jesus to the cross. And we know that it says that he went with two robbers or two other rebels or revolutionaries. And it, we have a picture that he's put right in the middle of these two. This humiliation just continues. In other words, he's the worst of the worst. They put him right in the middle. They spat at him. They, they cursed at him. They mocked him. Before they sent him out, they put a thorn, a crown of thorns on his head and a purple robe of royalty. Then they put back on his clothes. Before he died, they were casting lots for his clothes. Do you know what that is? Well, I don't want to take the end of this lesson away, but has anybody ever died in your family? that you wanted something of theirs and you started trying to get it before he was dead <laughs> they were casting lots for his clothes while he was still alive here you are alive and you see people battling for your possessions huh don't forget he was all man can you imagine what he felt that evening that day excuse me that day it's still before 12 o'clock it's still before 12 o'clock noon. All this happened by 12. He hasn't slept. He hasn't ate since the night before. He's been up all night. He was praying to send him, remember? At midnight, one, two, and three, they come and arrest him. He's already been through six trials. He's been beaten. And now he's on the cross. Did he carry the cross alone? There was Simon there, right? An African that was just coming in through town. He helped carry it. What's also funny is somehow the writers in the Gospels say his name. Then they also say the father of his two sons. If you're writing me a letter and you put somebody's name and their children's name in the letter... You probably think I already know them, right? These guys wrote 30 years after the death of Jesus Christ. Why are they mentioning this guy? I happen to believe that if you help bear the cross of Jesus Christ, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life and that people are going to know your name. People will know your name if you help carry the cross of Jesus Christ. 
When they wrote and put his name in there, people knew his name. I can't prove this. But I'm just, why and how did they put his name in there and why? They figured the readers would know his name. I think after that, he's probably did a lot of great things. He wasn't part of the travel. It said he was just coming through. Amen? So now he's on the cross. 12 o'clock hits and darkness falls for three hours. Darkness falls for three hours. That's Exodus 10, 13, 10, 22. What does darkness mean? And why did darkness fall? So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. Hit the next verse, please, James. Well, basically it's judgment. Basically, Darkness is judgment. For three hours, it probably was real quiet. And, and when you read about Moses, there was a silence. There's judgment going on. I wonder how the people by the cross were feeling. Here they are. They're, they're, they're capping on this guy, and they're calling him names. And, but all along, there's probably something hitting their heads in the back of their minds. There's probably stuff happening in their hearts. They've been hearing and seeing everything. And now darkness falls. This isn't a dust cloud. This isn't an eclipse. An eclipse lasts how long? Wasn't there one the other day or something? It's not, not no three hours. This is the act of God. A lot of people might try to say that this didn't really happen. Possibly not. But there are record, uh, historians that record it, uh, well-known historians that say it did happen. Then after that, at 3 o'clock, we know what happens. Okay? It's religious holidays, and you can't have dead people on the crosses. And so they want these people dead. So they go and they break the legs, right? They go break the legs of the other two. There might have been more that were crucified that day. I don't know. But what they talk about in the Bible is two and him. And they break the legs of those two. And when they go to break Jesus' legs, he's already dead. To make sure they pierce him. And blood comes out, water comes out. That proves he's dead. I know we like to hear about all the bruising for our inequities. We like to hear about the stripes for our, our infirmities. We like to know that perhaps that water and blood mixture is due to a heart failure. People say because he knew our sin and his heart failed. That might be why he died early. There's really not too many big phenomenons here. The crucifix People dying on the cross was normal. People that went against the government were treated this way. That was normal. He didn't live extra long. He died quickly. He died quickly. But right at that time, when he lets out his last words, what were they? Eli, Eli, Lama, Sapakani. Father, Father, why did you forsake me? Can you get Acts 22? Uh, 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 Psalms 22. I don't know about you. Uh, if you ever did time in solitary confinement. If you ever got broken up with on your first love. Perhaps you're married and you lost your job. The only source of income. You're on your way home to tell your wife or your husband. What you're going through. What you're going through. You could be in a football stadium. You could be in a church like this, full of people. And yet you feel all alone. You feel all alone. Don't forget, Jesus Christ was all man. He was all God. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky. 
uh, it's Psalms 22. If you read Psalms 22 on your own time later, you're going to see that what happened this day, most of it was fulfilled. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as a holy one. You are the one Israel praises. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt this way? You, some say that God left him at that time. That God turned his face from him. What I'm going to bring out, I'm not going to bring it out. I'm just going to show you what the word says. That's all I'm doing. It's showing what the word says. But what the word brings out is something very heavy. Because after that, he says it's finished. And if you look at the original words, you'll see that the job was accomplished. That the plan is done. That it's over. What was started to be has now been accomplished. What was started and what is accomplished. It says that the veil was torn. And that veil was probably about the size of that wall from there to there to there to there to like that. And it was about four inches wide and it was torn. What did that veil represent? What did that veil represent? I did not know what Good Friday meant. I could not understand what Good Friday was for. I studied it, and everybody thought it was coming from the God Friday and this and that. But then when I started understanding what that veil tearing represented, then I understand what's good. I understand the good news about this day. The good news is religion is over. The way that life was is over. You see, you could only go past that curtain if you were pure and without sin. Huh? But Jesus Christ died for why? Who killed Jesus? You and I. We're did. Our sin did. He died for your and my sin. That way now, we don't have to go through a veil. There's nothing separating us from getting to Jesus Christ. We're able to go right to him. We're able to go right to Jesus Christ. There's nothing that separates us any longer. The only way you could get to Jesus before is if you were pure. But you know what? There's good news, you and me, sinners. We can go to Jesus Christ without a veil. We don't have to send somebody else to go for us. That veil has been torn. That veil has been torn. It has been finished. It's over. And that was what Jesus Christ said. You will see also that stones were removed and dead were alive. And it says that when he was resurrected, so were they. And that they appeared to people that knew them. That knew them. So this was people of these generations. But we won't go there too much because that might be an Easter Sunday uh, message. But I'll just remember what Shane Willard pointed out about the triumphant entrance when Jesus came on a coat and he said, I'll raise these stones to worship me. He said there was a cemetery there. Remember the cemetery? Remember the stones? Well, there's people risen on this day. Can you catch the drift? People were risen. The guy has power over death. There's resurrection. There's death. There's resurrection. There's death. There's resurrection. We have resurrected. We're all new creatures, amen? Now, how do you bring a teaching to an altar call? Wish Pastor John was here. <clears throat> he did great. He's been pastoring for quite a while. I'm studying under a pastor. A great one. If we look at any of these characters or any of these events, I would dare say if we were honest, we pretty much could identify with every one of them. Sometimes we're worried about losing material or position. Just like Annis' mob was. Don't, don't hate the game, hate the player, right? They were caught up in their money. They were caught up in their life. They were caught up in their ways to the point 
where they didn't want to accept Jesus as a savior as who he said he was. I, I, I have to believe they knew who he was. I have to believe that they knew he was God. Now, this is my belief. This ain't the word. Don't ask me to prove it. Okay? But I, I, I'll explain my conviction. Because why didn't they try him for that? Why didn't they have him just uh, prove that he was a God? They knew that he couldn't prove it. Wouldn't that have been a lot easier? They knew who he was, but they didn't want to give up. Well, I can't say that, but they didn't want to give up their possessions and their positions and their power. It was threatened. Sometimes we don't want to give up what we have going on to acknowledge Jesus Christ. You know, Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a cheap slave. Did he really sell Jesus out? I think he sold himself. And sometimes we sell ourselves short. Peter denied Christ three times. Peter, loud, boisterous, the guy that went in front of everybody. Ah! Do it, Jesus. Huh? Yet, when he was outside of his element, when he was outside of his home, when he was outside of his church, when he wasn't surrounded by other Christians and, and he wasn't next to his pastor who he spoke so loud about when he was with Jesus Christ. But when he was in the arena of those that don't want Jesus, that hated Jesus, what did he do? What are we going to do when we're faced with those kind of times? Then there's Pilate. Pilate, he wanted to be right. He wanted to be right. But he was so insecure. He was so insecure. He lacked in confidence. He had so many failures already that had him, one more failure and you're done. That's it. He was so afraid to fail. He was so afraid to step out and speak out that he allowed this tragedy to happen. I bet you, if we were honest, we could find ourselves in some of these people. There's one more point I want to bring out. John 19, 25, if we may. Ladies, Carmen, you're going to love this one. Your husband spoke about how men we use women as possessions. And he did it very well. But near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of, don't ask me to pronounce it, and Mary Magdalene. Where's the men? Where's the men? Where's the men? After Jesus, they came to arrest him and said that they scattered. It says that some of them followed from afar. But these women here, they followed all the way to the tomb. They seen where Jesus were buried. These women, it's funny, man. It's funny what a girl will do when you treat them right. Huh? Huh? Men, they don't got that in them. Women got some, my God, man. You know? If I had these girls here, I might not have got saved. I'd be robbing banks. I'd take Annis' crew on. You know, the writers wanted to make sure that Women knew how valuable they were, especially when they wrote this. That wasn't popular. But Jesus, he gave women their due. He gave women their respect. He appreciated the women in his life. And so the writers were very careful to write this in. John threw himself in there. I don't know if he was or not. Okay, John threw himself in there. Even, you know, uh, uh, Jesus asked him to take care of his mother. Okay, but somewhere in this story, you find yourself. Where are you tonight? All I know is this, that we're able to come in front of the throne tonight 
we don't have to worry if you're in sin. You don't have to worry if you're perfect or not. That's why Jesus died for us. Whatever your problem is, whatever your situation is, he says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that you're able to tell this mountain to go into the sea. And I believe when that was said, he was looking into the Dead Sea. We can never come back to life. There is no life in the Dead Sea. Don't be afraid. Don't let nothing tell you that you cannot come in front of God. Don't let nothing tell you that you can't serve God. Nothing. No matter what you have done. No matter what your mind or anything tells you who you are. No matter how many failures. If you think you have no more chances. Jesus Christ died. So therefore you can go straight to him. Men we need to rise up. Or there will be nothing but ladies right there. That's cool. Ladies. Okay I'm giving you guys props. Right. Right. My birthday is March 20th. I like ice cream. <laughs> but I wasn't always like this. You know, I'm very much an ignorant man. But the Bible is trying to get us away from this ignorance. We cannot have ignorance no more. The word tells you that you're somebody. The word tells you that Jesus Christ loved you this much. And that he died for you and I. Later, he got buried. We know that. We know that Joseph from Isaiah, Arimathea, and Nicodemus went with him and buried him. And that it was a new tomb or it was never used before. We know that even Joseph was afraid to speak out and stand up for what is right. If we're going to live for Christ, we cannot be afraid or think that you can't. Faith of a mustard seed. It's like that. It's like that. It's real small. It's real small. Jesus loves you tonight. Jesus loves you tonight. Amen.